Hi, my name is Rachel and I am the host of Things I Wish I'd Known. I decided to set up this podcast because A, I love talking, I love learning from people, I love conversation and B, there are so, so many things I wish I'd known in my past, so many things I wish I'd known about my mental health, about self-care, about magic, mystery, spirituality, about so many things that I know now, these crazy new breakthroughs in science, frequency, sound, all kinds of things that I'm now so passionate about that I wish I'd known. And I'm hoping that by sharing these conversations with you, I'm going to be able to maybe relieve some suffering, maybe share some laughs and share some knowledge. Some of it you may think is amazing, some of it won't resonate, and that's okay. But I really, really want to get this knowledge out there. So I hope you enjoy listening to things I wish I'd known. Today, I'm super excited to have Millie with me. Millie is the founder of Sober Girl Society. And I'm going to let her introduce herself in a moment, but I'm so excited to have her on this podcast. She is out there doing amazing work in the sobriety field. And we met at an event. We were both uh, panelists, weren't we, on the Sobriety Over Anxiety event. And I just loved, I love your energy. I love the way you talk about sobriety. I love the way you're not preachy, you're not you know, you're just very open oh, and you. allow people to kind of have their own journey. You're not yeah. looking at people. And I really love that. So I don't know if you want to introduce yourself, tell us yeah. about Sober Girl Society. Why not? So my name is Millie. Um, I am 27, although by the time this comes out, I think I'll be 28 because it's my birthday in a couple of weeks. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm one of those people who makes every, I'm a Leo. I make everyone celebrate my own birthday for the entire month. So my birthday celebration starts on Sunday amazing <laughs> entire month so I started Sober Girl Society last September when I was seven months sober and it kind of started as a place for me to just put funny memes out there document my journey when I first got sober when I looked on Instagram there were some amazing people doing amazing things but a lot of them were US based a lot of them were kind of talking about mummy wine culture. There was a lot that were kind of AA-centred, and they were all incredible, and I found so much support through them. But I didn't necessarily find something that I, as like a young British party girl, kind of identified with. So I decided that I was going to create it myself. So that's kind of how it started. It was just funny quotes, a few observations. I didn't put my face on it for a long time because I just wanted to do nice quotes and then it's just kind of snowballed and progressed and more people have resonated with it than I ever kind of imagined and it's now turned up into meetups and events and panel talks and I'm doing work with universities and like it's just escalated beyond anything which is amazing also terrifying because I think I'm getting more and more people involved in it now because I'm realizing that I can't do it all myself yeah that's a huge learning right oh, it's just me and I've got this plan and yeah. I'm super excited to get this, you know, the word out there yeah. and share my story and help people. And then it's like, oh my God. That's yeah. 
And I think the thing is, with like um, becoming sober, part of being sober is taking control of your life back. So mm-hmm. I've been so used to being in control of my life now that having to give out control to other people of my like baby project, I'm like, oh, I'm a bit nervous about it. So it's it's been a bit learning curve to kind of trust people to kind of give away my, a bit of my control as well. Which is yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I'd say, how did you, you know, obviously Sober Girls Society started, you wanted to, a bit of support, you wanted to put it yeah. out there. And something you just mentioned was around the culture. Yeah. And I'd quite like to, this wasn't actually on my list of questions. <laughs> that's a really good thing is UK drinking culture. Yeah. It's out there, isn't it? It's a nightmare. The thing is, so for me, I am, because I'm on August birthday, back to my birthday, I didn't turn 18 until about two weeks before I went to uni. And when I was young, I was quite into competitive dancing, so I didn't really do that kind of whole 14 in a park, which I know is also another British tradition. But for me, I've never really drunk. And then I got to university, and I went from absolute kind of zero drinker to heavily binge drinking three or four times a week. Mm. And university is quite a big thing now for like I mean a lot of people go to university and it's something you don't learn to drink properly but I never learned to even moderately drink I went from absolutely nothing to just getting out of my brain three or four times a week and I was working in clubs and shop bars and so that is a big part of British culture I think university is one of the things that kind of that's where my drinking really set up but yeah it's just really ingrained in us like I don't know we kind of look at alcohol as we kind of value drink for what it does to us rather than how it tastes so there's not as many problems with alcohol in places like Italy because you know they're taught to love the wine and love the taste of it and appreciate it for like how it's been made whereas we just appreciate it really for what it's going to do to us so yeah it's it's a, it's a very interesting one Britain in particular yeah I agree I mean I guess now something interesting, I don't know about your, my journey with sobriety has been quite different, I think, as well, in the sense of, I think it sounds like our backgrounds are quite similar. I was, you know, huge into the party and the rave scene and then really just due to my mental health and I've dipped in and dipped back out and dipped in and and now I'm like, it just doesn't bring anything to the table. But one of the things that I found was a lot of my identity was around being this party girl you know I'd be the first on the dance floor and the last to leave the party and I'd always be involved in you know festivals and events and parties and raves and that was my whole life from really quite a young age what do you do for fun now because I found it really hard to reconnect to fun because I was like that was my fun that was my escapism that was how I let go how I relaxed after a hard day how I celebrated with my friends so what do you do for fun now? And lots of things, but I, I completely agree with you. I, my whole kind of identity was party girl. If, if my friends had wanted someone to go out with, they could have known that they could have called me and I would have been the first one out there yeah um so yeah I kind of had to relearn what fun was to me because I, I kind of didn't know anymore so traveling is always a really massive one I adore yeah. traveling I've got really into water sports which I love doing unfortunately you can't do a lot around here so it's mainly when I go on holiday but I do things like paddle boarding oh, amazing yeah I love paddle boarding and then like surfing and and all things like that I love dancing I've really reconnected with dancing because that was something that I did like for years and years and years as a kid and then kind of 
petered off when I went to university and my drinking started so that's been something that I've really really connected with as well is dancing and then one of the things for me as well has still been to be that party girl just without the alcohol like one of the things I found when I kind of got sober is I read a lot of books that were like you know you have to protect your sobriety which absolutely you do and it was kind of saying you know if you're at a party just leave if you don't want to be there just leave but for me so much of my job is socializing and my friends are still really social and rather than leaving which I think in some circumstances is the best advice for me it wasn't the best advice because I didn't want to leave we'd be like bye friends I'm going home that really learn how to stay and be able to do it without alcohol so really early on I kind of ripped the band-aid off and went on nights out with my friends you know like you said that like rave scene a lot of my friends are into like garage music so I've been to like yeah. garage and house events and yeah. just learn how to do them without alcohol rather than avoiding them altogether and yeah. this is one of the things everyone's like sprite journey is different so with my page that's why I try not to be too preachy because what has worked for me will not work for other people some people will go out and they'll try and rip the band-aid off like I did and they'll be terrified and they'll think oh my god this is the worst thing ever I'm never coming out again yeah kind of do what is right for you for me it was so important I still maintain my social life and still kept that as a little bit of part of my identity so I still go out a lot and I'm going out tonight I'm going out the weekend so (laughs) it's not it's not really stopped me but yeah you have to do what's right for you to be honest I completely agree. I've found it exactly the same in my journey. And there's been what I have noticed, which is very interesting, is the kinds of people that I'll be happy to go out with sober. Yeah. And the kinds of people that I'm like, nah, not going to that. Yeah. And also the music. Yeah. How many nights out where I've been and I'll just be dancing and I won't care. And now I'm like, I'm not dancing to this. If I go to like, if I go to one of the garage things, if I know the songs, I'm absolutely fine. If a song comes on that I don't know, I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah. Music's become a really important thing. You know, if I go to a gig or I go to a rave or a party or festival, whatever it is, if the music's good, I really don't even miss alcohol at all. And if the people are cool and no one's making like a big deal out of me being sober or, you know, it's just they're getting on with their drunk night out and I'm getting on with my sober night out and we're just cruising along together and that's cool. But I do agree with you. I think it's interesting, you know, for some people because alcohol, you know, is so socially acceptable Mm. and it's everywhere. And we're, you know, I, I know from you know, talking to lots of different people and in my own experience as well, just in terms of, you know, family celebrations and, you know, coming of age and you're, you know, quite, you know, quite young really. And you might be given a sip of wine or, you know, finger dipped in the beer or whatever, because you're like, I want to try, I want to try, you know, and all of that stuff is just slowly ingrained in us. And then it's available everywhere. And so, you know, I would never say that I had an addiction in that sense I think I used alcohol incorrectly I think I used it to suppress my emotions to not deal with my social anxiety to probably cover up my depression and and my anxiety but I never really felt like I didn't have a choice in that sense when I decided that I wanted to stop and I think sometimes with the sober curious movement and different things we need to be mindful of the fact that for some of us it is okay you know like you said it is okay to go to the club and just be like you know sod it it's cool I feel strong enough in myself what kind of tips would you give to people if they 
you know, say like your first night out sober, I mean, how did you cope with that? What did you do? Did you have any kind of plan or tools or what advice? Do you know what? Power napping is the secret. Like before you go out, because that's the one thing that you do notice is that when you're sober, you get more tired on a night out. I think yeah. put my heart on my hand and say it gets to about one o'clock and I start yawning. And yeah. so like to try and nap before you go out is always a good one because as soon as you get tired, that's when you're like, oh, I think I want to leave now. That's always one. Make sure that you're going somewhere where you know there is a good alcohol-free selection because otherwise you go out and if they're like, no, we haven't got this, we haven't got that. My friend was trying to, she's trying to cut down and she went out the other week to a bar that I won't name and she said to them oh have you got any non-alcoholic beer and they turned around they went yeah it's called water which I just thought was the most shocking Mm -hmm. thing so I think go to a bar that you know is not going to be an arsehole to you yeah because that would be really demotivating if you go in there and there's something for you then yeah I think you can be tempted to go oh fuck it I'll have a vodka lemonade then I think yeah go somewhere that you know I think always have an escape plan as well so I know that's not to say that you should leave, but if you really do feel like you're going to leave and, you know, you're somewhere that's out of your comfort zone, make sure you've got a plan, like someone that can pick you up or even drive so that you know that you can just kind of, like, leave. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say, like, for your first time, go too far away. Is it go maybe somewhere local so that if you want to go home, like, if you just go down the local pub, then you know that you can be home in 10 minutes if you feel really really uncomfortable yeah and that fresh air I think is always a good one if I get too like oh there's too many people I'll like go into the smoking area but not near the smokers and then like just take five minutes breathe reassess the situation and then go back in I think there's loads of like little things that you can do to help yourself out yeah I think that's really good advice I think it was kind of similar I'm trying to remember my first sober night out I can't really remember now I do remember only drinking soda water and lime. There wasn't really many other options and finding that a bit like I'm really enjoying this kind of renaissance, I guess, of new brands coming out and, you know, really exciting different offerings and servings that, you know, because you do want to feel, you don't want to feel like a little kid drinking coke Uh, all night. You want to feel like an adult. You still want to enjoy your night out, but it can be difficult if you're somewhere where there's not many yeah that's a good that's changed just even in the 18 months that I've been drinking and well not drinking because on my like first few nights out I remember drinking so much coke that I was actually like really really hyper on caffeine and then couldn't sleep yeah wasn't those options but now I can go out and I'm like oh my god there's all these amazing things which is is great yeah totally agree so I guess how did you get sober? Like, what was the process? Was it something that was quite natural for you? Was it quite a difficult process? Talk us through it. I think I always knew I kind of had like a problematic relationship with alcohol. So I think I always knew that I shouldn't be someone who drank a lot. And I'd done various dry Januaries and sober Octobers. And I think a lot of them I did sort of not even for the charity angle of it. I think I just know in myself that I needed a break. So I've done many of those, but after that, I kind of always just went back to full drinking. And my life was kind of getting into this real cycle of like going out the weekend, completely caning it, being so hungover, feeling really awful, unproductive, just not enjoying my life, really anxious. It took an awful toll on my mental health. 
And I started just noticing that every time I drank, it got worse and worse. My hangovers were getting longer. My anxiety was getting worse. I'd kind of go out on like a Saturday night. I'd spend all day Sunday in bed hangover. And then I'd go to work on Monday and I'd still feel really on edge. Tuesday still wasn't right. And then by the time I felt better again, I did it all over again because I thought, oh, I know what made me feel better. And just got into this cycle. And then I went out one night. It was February 2018 got horrendously drunk I would say probably couldn't remember about 90% of my night and at that time I was going through a breakup as well and I think I was just drinking through that to help me and I just woke up in the morning I just thought I can't keep doing this anymore it was tiring I was tired of my own bullshit I was tired of apologizing to people I was tired of feeling sorry for myself and I downloaded The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray and I couldn't actually read, so I, I downloaded it, so listened to it on Audible. And, yeah, it was just, like, so many things clicked for me reading that book. And I think everyone that has got sober, a lot of people have read one book and everyone's got their kind of fave. And for me, that was it because it really was, like, the unexpected joy. It, it was more relatable and it kind of talked about all the good things about sobriety rather than this is how you give up this this is how you give up that it was like you're going to gain this you're going to gain this you're going to get this and I was like get all these amazing things I'm going to get all this time and all this energy and like I'm even going to be able to tan better and like all this stuff that I just didn't know and I found the story relatable because Catherine had like worked in the same office that I was working in at the time so a lot of her yeah, because she used to work for Cosmo and it was in the same building as one of the magazines that I was working for at the time. Wow. She was talking about like being on the street. I could like picture the street and I was like, it's like something's in my brain and like reading my story. And she's just that like little bit older than me and she kind of talks about, you know, people who kind of leave a bit earlier. And I think that was it for me, as in she always says like she hit a few more rock bottoms, as in the story kind of starts with her waking up in prison, well, jail. Whoops. <laughs> and I kind of think if I'd have carried on with my drinking, then that's where I would have got in a few years' time. I genuinely think just from like just getting so drunk on nights out and blacking out and not remembering it, not remember how I got home. And like people think, oh my God, it must be so difficult to like end up in jail. But I, I genuinely think like I've jumped out of a moving car when I was drinking, just like things that are so not me that I was doing that I think, yeah, that's probably how I could have ended up. Yeah, I'm definitely much more risk averse when I'm drunk. Yeah. I'll just take, you know, I've done some really silly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things I wish I didn't do when I was drunk. <laughs> There's just this like irrational thing that takes over. Like I was talking to someone last night and they were saying actually like the, the, the idea of calling a drink a spirit is because of the spirit that takes Yeah, the energy work yeah. side of it. Yeah, and it's true. Like I used to say, the person who was like, my friend used to tell me things that I'd done when I was drinking and I would cringe. And I think I would never do that. Like never, ever in a million years. I think it's twofold. I've read two things. So for those listening that don't know, I'm also a Reiki healer and I do a lot of work around energy work. And I'd seen that before. And for anyone that hasn't seen this, they're saying that they call spirits, as in alcoholic spirits, spirits because actual energetic spirits can attach to your empty shell of a body if you like because your soul will leave the body when you're drunk because it thinks sod this it's too toxic and it will leave the body and a another spirit will take over and almost like joyride your body if you like whilst you're drunk 
So for those that don't believe in energy or spirits or they're, you know, eye rolling at that analogy, (laughs) which used to be me before I got into the role that I'm in. I'm a huge skeptic, but now not so much that I've had all these bizarre, incredible magic experiences. But for those who are more scientific based, I've also read that what it does is there's a part in the frontal lobe Mm. of the brain that controls things like fear and risk and and different elements like that and and when you're really drunk it actually cuts the ability of that part of your brain to work so I think it's probably you know I mean I I do believe in energy I do believe in spirits and I do think that there probably is an element of that I've definitely been at parties myself and it gets to two three in the morning and I'm looking around the room and like this is a soulless environment Yeah. yeah but I do also think there's physical you know kind of physiology things that are happening to us as well that make us behave in ways that genuinely if we were sober we wouldn't behave yeah so I wanted to ask as well obviously things I wish I'd known is all about it's a bit like a love letter to to my younger self or to our younger selves of all the things we wish we'd known and so I just wondered you know have you got any advice to your younger self what would you have told her if you'd have, you know, known what you know now about sobriety? I think part of the reason that I used to drink as well was to fit in, because that's what most of us do, sort of, that's why a lot of us drink it, because we want to fit in. And kind of trying to fit in actually made people like me less than trying to stand out. So by not drinking, people actually like me more than when I was drinking to try and fit in, because I was actually chaos and drama and like cutting people's nights short and they were having to look after me and like I wasn't being myself by drinking I wasn't being authentic and but I thought you know I have to drink to fit in because no one will like me if I don't drink but actually by not drinking my friends have said we like you like they were like we always did like you but we like you a lot more now and I think I that's what I wish I'd known I always thought that if I stopped drinking then people wouldn't like me but in fact it's been the opposite yeah it's quite powerful isn't it I've yeah. not had similar conversations because I think I was a really good drunk yeah I say it I was fun I wasn't there was no drama like this was one of the things I think for me that was quite difficult to give yeah. it up because there was no drama. I wasn't really a floppy or a sick drunk. I didn't, you know, get myself arrested or get into any kind of like crazy scrapes yeah. like that. I definitely did things that were questionable and that I probably, well, that I definitely wouldn't do sober, but there was never really a rock bottom for me or like yeah. a, but the one thing I have noticed that is really interesting is how much my friends have said to me, oh my God, you're no different. Yeah, you just come out and you're still really fun and you still just get on the dance floor and you're still you're just the same as you were when you were drunk but you're just obviously not drunk yeah and I was like yeah I guess and I I had similar fears to you I thought you know ah I'm gonna go out and people are gonna judge me and no one's gonna want me there and you know there has been an element of that don't have you experienced that 
Yeah, I think people feel like they have to defend their drinking to me sometimes, which I don't even bring it up. Like, I'm sometimes people are like, oh, I'm only doing it because it's this day. And and I'm like, it's fine. You crack on. Like, you do what you want. I'm not going to judge you for it. But I think people do think I'm like sitting there, oh, God, drinking again. That's so funny you said that. I've definitely experienced that a lot. And just being, usually it's someone offers you a drink and you're at the bar and you say, I'll just have a soda or whatever it might be. And they'll say, just a, you know, just a soda. And you'll say, yeah, yeah. And they go, you don't want gin or like vodka in there. And, you know, often that's what will happen if I'll say, oh, soda and and fresh lime. And they'll say vodka. Yeah. And I'll say, no, no, just the soda. And then I even had it recently. I, I, again, sober first. Oh my God. I went to... And I really support your advice on doing your first kind of steps into sober nights out, if that's yeah. your choice and yeah. you, you feel safe to do that, is to go somewhere close to home, mm. for sure. Yeah. And I was going to Glasgow <laughs> for, <laughs> for a hen do. Yeah. And we were all staying in this big house. And, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, I live in London, so Glasgow and any international listeners, it's a, it's a long way. It's like, what did it, was it about a six hour train journey uh, nonstop to, to Glasgow from London. And I was, I've got to admit, I was really nervous about it. And I'm quite a confident, sober, curious person. Yeah. And I definitely felt nervous going. And I did, you know, just for full disclosure, I had a sip of champagne for the toast and that was it for the whole weekend. Yeah. But I had the best time. Yeah. But one of the interesting things was we were queuing up to get drinks and my friend offered me a drink. I said, oh, yeah. And she said, oh, they've got, you know, Coke or and it was a specific kind of whiskey based type brand, I think, or it might be rum brand. I don't know that had this stand. And they said uh, and one of the things was tango. And I said, oh, I'll just get an orange tango. Yeah. When I got given the drink, I took a sip of it and I was like, this has got alcohol in it. Yeah. And the woman behind the counter was like, yeah. And I, <laughs> I asked just for a tango. Yeah. And she said, well, we don't do just tango. You have to have the spirit in it or we can give you the tango, but it's going to be seven pounds or whatever it was for the drink. Oh and God. I said, well, I don't drink alcohol. I asked just yeah. for, you should have told me that. And she just yeah. looked at me like I had two yeah. heads and it's it was really that. bizarre. But other than that, the whole weekend, you know, all the girls that were there and I didn't know you know, I knew probably two two of them out of, yeah. I think it was 30 girls at one point there, were just so lovely. No one made a big deal out of it. It yeah. was just, you know, we all just had a really lovely time. And I think there's, the fear is often worse than than yeah. the event itself. Yeah, you, you build it up in your head. I always say it's a bit like, you know, like when you get a new haircut and you're like, oh my God, what's if I'm going to think about this? It's so different. It's so drastic. Are people going to like it? And you really overthink it. And then you go out and most people don't even notice. So you're like, oh, and you've like really overthought it. You're like, oh my God, everyone's going to think it's such a big deal. And people are going to stare at me all night. And then you get there and people are like, oh, is that? There's something different about your hair. And you're like, yeah. Like, you've been thinking about it this whole time. Whole I think time, it's a bit yeah. like that. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, it's funny so, you should say about like the, the tango situation. I went for my friend's bottomless brunch at the weekend and I ordered a mocktail off the menu and the waiter was like, oh, just checking you know that's a mocktail. And I was like, yeah, I know, thank you. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I, it's funny, isn't it? it is funny because I even hate saying this out loud because it's so judgmental. I was not on a spiritual journey before. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I remember having conversations with people and literally saying out loud and saying things like, I don't trust people that don't drink. Yeah, that's the What's classic. wrong with them? What's yeah. the... And, and that just goes to show how ingrained alcohol yeah. was in my life, who I was, yeah. my identity and everything like that. And just feeling, you know, now when I look back on that version of myself, I'm like, wow, there's yeah. been some serious growth here because yeah. why wouldn't you trust somebody? And even if even if somebody doesn't drink because they've got an addiction or they've got an issue with alcohol, they're allergic to it yeah. or whatever, like, or even just because they choose not to. Yeah. So what? Yeah. I don't understand why it's such a big deal. It's crazy. I was talking to one of my friends who's sober now, who I've kind of met through Instagram, and she was saying there was a girl in her halls when she was at uni who didn't drink. And she said she feels awful now. She said at the time they completely ostracised her and like left her out. They all thought she was a bit weird because she didn't drink. And now she's like, I can't believe it. She said, I just feel so awful about the whole situation. Yeah. I had a conversation with one of my good friends. We all used to go raving together when we were, you know, really young teenagers. Yeah. And she never drank, she never smoked, nothing. And we'd all be there, you know, chuffing away, down in yeah. drinks. Yeah. And I said to her, wow, you know, I really get it now. I never got it before. And I think, I mean, she's never said to me, but I think potentially she had some issues with, with her mental yeah. health. But obviously at, at that time, nobody really spoke about it. No. And, you know, I think that's potentially why she didn't. But I was similar. I felt quite bad. I thought, yeah. oh no, I've been so judgmental, and now that's now I'm that person. Yeah, I always do say like the the hypocrisy sometimes gets me a bit because I talk about it, and I'm like, God, if people could have seen me three years ago, like, yeah, yeah. But I think also there needs to be space, and again, one of the reasons I really wanted to do the podcast is there needs to be space for these conversations to be had, and there needs to be space for people to hear. Yeah. And hopefully they'll realise like, oh, okay, so people who are sober aren't weird. No. And maybe because I'd never met anyone really that was sober or didn't yeah. drink, everyone I knew that's what they were doing. Yeah. And that's what society made out to be like normal, whatever yeah. that is, that we just sort of go along with it. And I think when yeah. you can open up conversations, even if it's uncomfortable, you know, yeah. we're all still learning. And I think often things are made out to be really black and white. People say things, don't they? Like a leopard won't change its spots. People don't change. And actually I'm unrecognizable from the woman that I was five years ago. There's not even, you know, I don't think the same. I don't behave the same. I don't enjoy the same things. I think people can completely change and transform. I think it's very limiting to say that you can't. I think you need to want to for yourself. Yeah. I think when people make that assumption, they're talking about people who maybe are trying to change for someone else's benefit. Yes. They don't really yeah. want to change. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. there's people who love it. You know, I've still got friends who love drinking and smoking. Yeah. They genuinely really enjoy it. So good for you, mate. Yeah. You know, go for your bars. I'm not trying to preach or stop anyone from doing yeah. what they love. Yeah. But for me, it's just not really... Yeah, 100%. So one last thing I wanted to ask, I'm aware of time. I knew this was going to go quick. I knew it was going to go so quick. We can do part two, it's fine. I know, I love chatting to people. That's my uh, my problem. Is is there anything else, anything you wish I'd asked you that I hadn't asked you or anything you want to add? So if anyone's listening to this, maybe they're thinking about getting sober. Maybe their friends got sober and they don't get it. Maybe they've you know, they're just sat here listening on hangover <laughs> thinking, oh, maybe things aren't working out for me with my drinking. 
you know, is there anything you'd love to add? Oh, I think just give it a go is my first thing that I would say. I mean, I have clearly stated many times my whole mission in life is not to turn people from drinkers into non-drinkers. That's not what I want to do. But I do want to get people to think about their relationship with alcohol and think about if it's not serving them, like why isn't that and what can they do about it? As in you know, maybe take a couple of months off, you know, maybe only drink when you're happy because a lot of the advice that is kind of given out is don't use it as, you know, a stress reliever or when you're sad. If you if you are going to drink, maybe only drink in those sort of like times of celebrations, not when you're feeling like emotionally unstable, not using it as a crutch. They're kind of the things that I just want people to think about and think about why they're drinking. Do they even enjoy drinking? Like, they're the kind of conversations that I want to be having with people. So it's not like, oh, we all must be sober. I mean, I think it'd be great for everyone in the world who's sober, but it's not going to happen. And I don't want to force that on people if they still enjoy it. But I do really want to just like get people thinking about it. And so that's why we run like the meetups and the brunches. And because some people come and they've not even started their sober journey, but they're quite curious about it. And, you know, they want to chat to people who are doing it and, and see what it's about and see what their pitfalls have been. And yeah, I think just get involved, do your research. If you're going to do it, I always kind of say like I read loads of books, listen to loads of podcasts. And they're the things that I always refer back to if I'm ever having a day where I'm like well maybe this sobriety thing isn't for me I'm like no I'll read like an article and I'm like oh yeah this is it and I think you have to really try hard not to glamorize your kind of past drinking I think it's very easy for us to like look at photos and be like oh that's such a good night and forget that you know at four o'clock you were in the toilets crying I think or like yeah. the next day we're suffering from like really bad anxiety they, there's that kind of whole play the tape forward thing that if you're going to look back on your past drinking play the tape the entire way through think about how that night ended think about how you felt the next day yeah like looking back and being like oh it was so lovely when I was drinking because the reality is most of the time it wasn't yeah I think as well it's looking for me anyway it was like what is alcohol actually adding yeah. I really liked what you said about, you know, rather than thinking about what you're going to lose by not drinking, yeah. thinking about what you're going to gain. Yeah. And I really started realizing that I could still go out and party with my friends. Yeah. I could still go and enjoy a Sunday roast. I could still come in from work and have a drink to relax. Yeah. I could still do all of these things that didn't include alcohol that were kind of the benefits of alcohol yeah. without alcohol. And what I was gaining was a clear head pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about sleeping better, but I've always slept like a, a <laughs> lot. <of time. laughs> I mean, I, that wasn't a benefit for me. All, but I have noticed that I don't, I guess I, I've never had issues getting to sleep or anything like that. But like, I think when I was drinking, I would wake up in the night or I'd need the yeah. toilet or, you know, if I'd been out drinking or something like yeah. that, or I'd snore, I'd wake up with a really yeah. dry mouth and I don't really get that anymore. And I'm just able to make better decisions and I've got yeah. no anxiety. My mental health so much better. Yeah. And it just felt like, you know, again. Yeah. I think when you say, sort of say about better decisions, that one has been a key thing for me because all those kind of decisions I was making when I was drinking didn't align with the person that I believe that I was. Yeah. So there was kind of that whole thing that 
you know, I didn't feel like I was sticking to my morals and my beliefs and, and my values and I wasn't being integral to me. And I was waking up and it was like this demon had made all my decisions for me. And then I had to deal with the repercussions. Yeah. So that for me was a cause of a lot of anxiety and sort of mental health problems. So just being able to make my own decisions and, you know, everyone makes mistakes. So I'm not saying that sobriety has stopped me from making any mistakes, but at least I know it's me that made those mistakes. I know how to rectify them. I know when I fucked up. Whereas yeah. When you're drinking, you don't know how to rectify things because you don't know why you did it in the first place. So it's no. one of those things has, has been the biggest for me, actually. Amazing. <laughs> well, that brings this episode to an end. Oh, Thank you so, much. <laughs> oh, no. so much for joining oh, me yeah. and for being so open and sharing. So where can people find you if they want to check out Sober Girl Society, if they want to find a bit more about you and your journey? Like, how can they find you? What's, what's the best way for them to... The main platform is Instagram, so it's just at Sober Girl Society. We do have a Facebook page and a Twitter page, but I'm both terrible at those, so mainly Instagram. And then we have loads of London meetups, and we're going to be expanding those across the UK. So if you just check on Eventbrite and search Sober Girl Society, you'll find all our kind of latest meetups and events. Amazing. Well, I definitely want to come to one of your meetups. Yeah, you have to, yeah. I can't do the brunch because I'm not... Yeah, I really, really want to come to, to yeah, some of the meetups and just uh, get more involved as well. So thank you so much for no, sharing your you story. So and uh, yeah, I'll see you soon outside yeah, of this, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. Things I Wish I'd Known is brought to you by Welford Wellbeing. Check out my website at www.welfordwellbeing.com.